The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk. Now it's time for gardening. Many of us have spent the last few months sitting at home enjoying the garden and doing all we can to make them look great. But suppose you have an unattractive boundary wall ruining your view and we've had many complaints about that and questions. Well, uh, horticulturist Porrick Horkin, he of the Horkin Garden Centre family, is uh, with us now with some tips on how to disguise those ugly walls with creeping and crawling plants. Porrick, good morning. Good morning, Pat. And it is fantastic weather, Pat, for planting. Soil conditions are perfect. Temperatures are ideal. So it's a great time of year for planting climbing plants in general. And there's such a myriad and choice of plants uh, to put into your garden. Some that are suitable for really tall walls, something vigorous. You could plant something like the winter flowering clematis. It actually flowers right through the winter period, but retains the foliage 12 months of the year. It's a variety called winter beauty, and it's one of the favourite, my favourite, climbing plants in the garden. But you've also got plants like pyracantha, which is great. It flowers in springtime in April and May and then has beautiful berries through the winter. So it's a great way to cover the walls with evergreen foliage, flowers and berries, but also something that attracts the bees and the butterflies and more importantly, the birds into your garden then for autumn. For something self-clinging yeah, if you have um, a wall that's shaded, that doesn't get the sun? Well, there are climbers that will tolerate shade, Pat. My favourite uh, plant for shaded areas is a camellia, a variety called Donation. It has beautiful pink flowers in spring, late, late winter, early spring, and it has evergreen foliage. And you train it onto the wall and that will actually completely cover the wall and flower in a shaded location. So there are clim- climbers that will tolerate shade. Some of the clematis varieties like mimosa does very well in shade as well, or indeed variegated ivies pass like gold child and gold heart. They tolerate the sh- shade really well. They're self-clinging, they'll cling to the wall, cover the area, and you'll find in the springtime that birds, your garden songbirds, will actually use ivy to nest in so it's a it's a really good and they're, they're because of the variegated leaves they're very attractive as well. So there's lots of really mm. good climbers suitable for all locations. The questions coming in in droves from Kevin and Meath. I have a small lawn which gets sun all afternoon and evening while shaded in the morning. It is heavy with uh, moss and clover. I treated it with a moss um, kill weed and feed last week, raked out the dead and dying moss last night. It's now looking very thin. Is there a further treatment I could apply to thicken and green it up or is it just patience and wait until later in the year? In either case, what's the best uh, to do to generate a lush green lawn, please? Okay, and, and Kevin has done exactly the right steps. This is actually the time of year as we come in now to late summer, early autumn, particularly with the damp weather at the moment, mosses begin to creep back into the lawn. So Kevin did exactly the right thing. He applied moss control. He applied a fertiliser as well, because where you've got clover growing in your lawn, it's a sign that the soil conditions are lacking in nutrients. And, and so the feed will have corrected that. The other tip I would give is to reseed the area. So get yourself some green velvet lawn seed, some compost, mix the two together and brush them into that, into the area. So you simply put it onto the remaining ground area and with a yard brush you brush it in and within 7 to 14 days the new grass seed will germinate and start to fill in particularly if Kevin cuts it on a regular basis. The other thing to keep in mind Pat is coming into September and October maybe put an application of zero on that area as well because that will prevent the moss from coming back. 
I want to grow a large number of hydrangeas along a fence area, maybe four metres long. Can Porik advise when should I plant them and how to care for them? Well, as I mentioned at the start of the programme, the soil conditions are absolutely perfect for planting all plants and hydrangeas are in full flower at the moment. So if you visit your local garden centre, it's a great time for selecting hydrangeas because they're in full flower. I would recommend a variety called Phantom, which produces huge white ice cream shaped. They're shaped like a 99 pat, if you can imagine that. And it literally produces hundreds of flowers on each plant. So it's a hydrangea called Phantom. It'll grow four to five feet in height. It's really suitable for planting like an informal hedge. So space the plants two feet apart. So over four metres, you're going to need maybe six or seven plants. And that will actually cover the area and create an informal free flowering hedge that will come into flower in late June and flower right through to November. So remember the name Phantom is a particularly good variety. Johnny's been on. Why are my lovely six foot plus sunflowers in a sunny west facing bed all now looking over my neighbour's wall away from my garden? (laughs) The neighbour must be delighted. Well, sunflowers, as the name suggests, follow the sun. So sunflowers, their heads will actually turn turn to where the sun is is, um, shining. So obviously, Johnny's garden is facing south. The neighbour is enjoying the beautiful flowers because the flowers will just follow where the sun goes, Pat. That's the nature of the plant. There's nothing you can do about them and uh, your neighbour is going to get the benefit. But do leave the sunflowers. Make sure that you leave the seed to form and, and don't cut the old flowers off because the birds will feed on the sunflower through the September, October period. So it's very important to leave the old heads of sunflowers on the plant through the autumn and winter period. Elisa says, I have an awful problem with mare's tail. Which spray should I use to kill it? Well, Lisa, it's it's a very difficult weed to eradicate with weed with um, weed killers. Um, the most effective weed killers are those that are used actually on lawns like Dicofar or Greenforce. But you need to be very careful using those, particularly if the mare's tail is in around shrubs or existing plants, because you run the risk of damaging those as well. My advice, really, with mare's tail is to put plants that will compete with it. So plants like the hydrangeas we mentioned earlier on, potentillas, hypericums, that will actually grow above the height of the mare's tail and suppress it. One thing that mare's tail dislikes, Pat, is competition. So if you plant plants closely together in a drift pattern, where the mare's tail is, it will actually help to suppress it and eventually get rid of it. So that's really the way to tackle mare's tail tail in my view. If it's growing up through pathways and driveways, then certainly the Dicofar or the Green Force Weed Killer will control it. Um, but um, planting is a better way. Uh, Ask Porik why sweet pea did not flower at all, was planted with nasturtiums in pots. Um, did the nasturtiums take all the goodness and leave the sweet pea deprived? The pot yes. was fed. Yeah, well, well, sweet peas, they are quite a vigorous plant and nasturtiums are such a greedy plant and will tend to swamp uh, any plants that are close by it. So really sweet peas should be planted out into a container in their own right. And there are varieties of sweet pea that, like Snoopy, that stays quite short and cascading and works really well in pots and containers. But it needs to be planted on its own. The nasturtiums are too greedy and too vigorous and will take all the nutrition. So for next year, make sure you put the sweet peas on their own and they'll be perfectly fine. A question about my grapevine, says a listener. It has brown blotches and my glass house is full of flies. 
Well, there's no real connection, Pat. The brown leaves are down to downy mildew. It's a pathogen. It's a fungal disease that comes on grapevines. Good ventilation. It let the flies out, but it'll also help to control the disease as well. So downy mildew is a, a disease of grapevines and other plants as well. And really good ventilation, opening up the, the vents, letting plenty of air movement through the grapevine, maybe taking a lot of those dead leaves off the plant and thinning out some of the green leaves as well. So reduce the amount of leaf foliage that's on the grapevines at this time of year. That will also help to ripen the fruit uh, because grapevines need plenty of sunlight to help the, the grapes to actually uh, ripen. So so there's no point spraying. It's too late when the disease is on it and um, it's downy mildew. It's very common on, on grapevines and it turns the, the leaves a brownish colour at this time of year. All right, Porik, we have to leave it there. So many questions. We should maybe one day do an hour with you to get through a, a huge amount from our listeners who are all obviously avid gardeners. Porik Horkin, thank you very much for thank you. Uh, joining us.